0: Your right hand. Do you
1: solemnly swear to the truth whole truth and nothing about the truth? I want the truth. Why don't you answer him?
2: Hey, this is Lee and Cooper. We're back with another episode of Objection, Your Fiction. I, I never know whether to go Objection, your fiction, or Objection, Your Fiction, but I guess we'll kind of figure that out. As we as we
3: go through a Cooper, um, they're we're they're very adamant about the exclamation mark being in there. So I think I think you need to you need to say it with a little more emphasis. Yeah, maybe a little more oomph next time.
2: We're we're super excited to have with us today, Jared Rosenblatt. Jared is the uh, homicide bureau chief at the Nassau County District Attorney's Office. Um, he's also a special professor of law at Hofstra University, where he specializes in trial advocacy trial skills. I've personally known Jared for a long time as well. So, Jared, thanks so long. Thanks so much for uh, for being here today. It's Not a problem. Uh, well, it might be a problem by the end of the episode. So. It may be. <laughs> um, so, the reason why I thought Jared would be a great fit, Jared probably is the best trial attorney I've ever seen in person. Um, and the movie that we're going to talk about today is My Cousin Vinny, which is obviously widely renowned as. The most realistic depiction of excellent trial advocacy skills. So we're going to talk about a bunch of things in the movie, but I really wanted to bring Jared into focus in on how how good, in fact, were the the, the advocacy skills in the movie? How realistic were they? What could have been done differently? What could have been done better? If you go on the internet, um, there's just uh, widespread praise for this film as the film that captures. Uh, a trial in the most accurate light, uh, possible in a, in a two hour medium. Um, so we want to talk to Jared about that today. Um, we're going to start with a quick recap.
3: Cooper, you have two minutes on the clock on the clock. All right. I actually want you you to time me to see if I can get this done in under two minutes.
2: Connor's Connor's timing. All
3: right. All right. So my, my cousin Vinny in two minutes. Um, so the movie starts out with two friends from New York, Bill and Stan, who are driving through Alabama. They stop at a convenience store. Um, in the convenience store, Bill's hands are full, and he mistakenly puts a can of tuna into his pocket, planning to pay, but walks out without paying for the can of tuna. Already and, we're getting into really important details in this summary. So. That, is, that is, Those are important details. They are They are subsequently driving down the road. The cops pull them over. Um, the cops begin interrogating them. They think that they're being questioned about uh, stealing the, the can of tuna. It turns out they're actually being questioned about a murder that just happened at that same convenience store. So they mistakenly confess to a crime. They think they're confessing to shoplifting, but they're a- actually, the, the cops think they're confessing to murder. Um, they are subsequently thrown in jail in the middle of Alabama and they have no money to their name. They're college students. Um, so Bill calls uh, his mother. And says, hey, I need an attorney. And she says, well, we have our cousin. Your cousin Vinny is an attorney. We'll send him down. Um, Vinny shows up in small town Alabama. Vinny is a stereotypical, played by Joe Pesci, played, uh, he's a stereotypical, brash, Brooklynite, New Yorker. Um,
2: you know, total- I, take offense. I take offense to that, Cooper. But
3: uh-huh. total. Going. Total fish. I mean, it's a fish out of water story. He comes down there. He's, you know, totally stands out by what he wears, how he talks. No one can understand what he's saying um, because of his accent. Uh, he subsequently find out that he's never tried a case before. He only just passed the bar. Um, he's He walks into the courtroom and immediately is berated by the judge for having no idea how to try a case, no understanding of Alabama trial practice. Um, obviously, things he gets thrown in jail immediately. Things go wrong. It looks like he has no idea what he's doing. Um, as the trial, the, the trial then begins miraculously four days later, three days later. It all happens very fast. Uh, when the trial begins, um, he very quickly, uh, I, I guess he, he learns he learns Alabama civil procedure fairly quickly and um is able to just by by more more street smarts than anything he's able to defend uh bill and stan and poke holes at the case and ultimately um get the get the charges dismissed um there's a lot more to be said about how he does that and the actual you know we'll dig into the courtroom stuff but hopefully that's that's a, a quick summary of, of of how the movie takes place and i did it in under two minutes
2: I'm glad exactly. you spent so much time on the tuna and and avoided the details of the actual trial so that we can, that's what
3: we're going to spend. Our, we're, all I'm doing right now is I'm trying to tee up the conversation. I'm not trying to get into the trial. I'm trying to give the audience context so that they have an understanding of what we're going to be talking about. They don't need to.
2: You stay within the two, you stay within the two minutes and you got from the beginning to the end. So in that
3: respect, you in that respect, I did a better job than Brad yesterday. And that's, Correct. The only, that's the only thing I'm trying to do right now.
2: <laughs> all right. So, um, I guess before we get into the details, like what did everybody, th- I'm sure you've all seen this movie more than once, although Cooper, I think this was your first this time. It my first time, yeah. Um, so how did, what did you think about the movie just generally as
0: a film?
3: Uh, I thought it was fun. I mean, it f- very. When, when was it made? Was it made in the late 80s, early 90s? 30, 31 years ago, I think. 31 years ago. Okay. So, it was yeah. made in 1992 I believe yeah it feels very much like a movie that was made in the in the early 90s but it's fun i mean there's it, it's cheesy it feels it feels outdated in many ways but um I enjoyed it I thought it has a good narrative arc it's uh you know you can see what's what's coming from a mile away and and you can see sort of how it's all gonna play out but there's some funny scenes there's also some very cheesy scenes um but overall i I, I enjoyed it I, I I enjoyed watching it
2: this is one of my favorite comedies uh, growing up. And I think actually like I've watched it probably every maybe five to seven years since I first saw it. And I think it still has staying power as a film. I think it's enjoyable. The narrative is pretty tight. Um, Like you said, the surprises are both surprising and you can kind of see them coming beforehand. Um, It wraps up in, in a, in a way that I think is, a lot of times, the like who done it twist at the end is is too hard to understand, and they do a really good job of making of narrowing the issues so that it's a realistic reveal at the end as to how it's, they.
3: Figure it's it very out. tight. It's very like we're going to talk about the grits, the grits cross examination, but it's like every scene does work in this movie. Like there's not there's not a lot of just like wasted scenes. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of times when you see these type of movies, they like try too hard now to make their, there's a twist on top of a twist and then another twist. It's just kind of like, it's a fun, well-crafted. Um, there's some funny scenes. There's some scenes that I laughed at. Again, it's cheesy. It's very cheesy though. It's like feels very outdated to me. So Jared, before we get into the, the meat and potatoes, what,
2: what did you think of the movie? I'm sure you've seen it before.
0: Yeah, I think like you, I watched it many times in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, when I watched it in in preparation of the show is the first time I watched it from beginning to end in a very long time. Um, as a movie, it's excellent. Um, I mean, Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci are fantastic. Um, as a movie, I I think, you know, when it comes on TBS with commercials, I'll sit there and watch it, you know, to this day.
2: I actually watched it on the TBS app
0: for this. Um,
2: there were so there were commercials while I was watching it. Marissa Tomei, I think won an Oscar.
0: For this movie she did did she really and, supporting people, and and people complain about it still i think i think it was well deserved
2: after re the movie i think i thought she was great um all right so let's let's talk about um i kind of want to do two things sharon i want to talk about to the extent that you think it's appropriate talk a little bit about accuracy but also just about technique skills what is uh Vinny do right what does he do wrong and why don't we start with Let's kind of start with the arraignment and the pre-trial investigation. Um, one, how kind of accurate is that process? I mean, obviously the timing is absurd. Um, but outside of that, uh, are there th- are there obvious things that kind of cry out as totally ridiculous? Are there are there pieces that are accurate? And then let's talk a little bit about what type of job he does getting ready for the trial.
0: Well, I think the most inaccurate part of the preliminary hearing is the lack of cross examination by Vinny. Um, I think at that point in the movie, he's still trying to figure out what a trial lawyer is supposed to do. So his failure to cross examine any of the witnesses and his line to his nephew, where he's like, something to the effect of, um, "You know, you're a Yankee. This is Alabama. What do you think's going to happen?" I, I think was the wrong. Uh, response as a lawyer at that stage. So that's probably the most inaccurate part of the preliminary hearing. Um, obviously, you've both talked about the speed in which the case moves. Obviously, that's also inaccurate. And I think some of it is kind of expedited in the sense of the movie, and you kind of lose track of how long it actually is. But um, I think the judge says on Monday, the trial will start, though. Right. Not, I mean, it's, and it's like four Mondays from now right and and they did a preliminary hearing and that's it I'm, yeah missing steps along the way
2: <laughs> so what about his um, other than not crossing the witnesses which I don't was that the scene where he falls asleep or is that later yeah. on well, that's later on um, and I guess really quickly the the main reason why I would assume that you agree with the premise that it wasn't going to get dismissed at the preliminary hearing phase but What's the strategic reason to cross-examine the witnesses at that point?
0: Well, it's a fact-finding opportunity for the defense. So at a preliminary hearing, the people are required to prove that there's reasonable cause to believe a felony was committed and reasonable cause to believe that the defendants committed the felony. Um, But like any preliminary hearing or pretrial hearing, the goal of it is to establish transcripts to cross-examine witnesses at a later time. So even if you know that the defendants are going to be, um, the judge is going to find that there is reasonable cause to believe that the crime was committed, he still could have established uh, a transcript to later cross-examine these witnesses.
2: So what about the uh, what about the general prep? I don't think he realizes that he should prep until like the night before. Um, when, uh, when Mona Lisa chastises him into starting to take the case more seriously, but what about the the limited prep that we see him do? What does he do? Um,
0: you know, and what should he really be doing? So I think my biggest issue regarding the commentary, which you discussed, um, there is tremendous amount of commentary on this movie from Supreme Court judges to the sitting attorney general uh, commenting on that people say that this is the you know the greatest uh, legal movie to watch for law students and i think that is such a farce i think it's a great movie to watch but i don't think it's a great movie to watch for to 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 learn legal strategy you know when people say what well, what was vinny's strategy he didn't have one at the preliminary hearing and he didn't have one at the opening statement so when you talk about you know, what was the strategy and, and did he execute it? He didn't have one. Um, and I think part of, of the view of my cousin Vinny from a young lawyer's perspective is Vinny begins by um, basically... I, lo- I love that you're calling him Vin. <laughs> Just diving right into it. Yeah. I, I think my issue is that he begins the movie lying to the judge, probably would have resulted in disbarment. Um if not, if not censuring, um, and 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 then he moves forward defending ultimately both of of his nephew and his nephew's friend on a on a capital murder case with limited limited to no preparation. Um, at that stage, there was no strategy. At that stage, as uh, Marissa Tomei indicates, you know you're entitled to, to to all this discovery, and he didn't even know it.
3: So you think in a normal situation where something like this happened, um, and this is kind of a broader question about how the judge behaves in the beginning of the, of the movie, but um, would, it, would a judge, if, if, a, if an attorney walked into the courtroom so unprepared and it was so obvious to everyone there or, or so obvious to the judge that he was so unprepared and was just winging it, um, would, a, would a typical judge in Nassau County allow the trial to proceed or would they intervene and um, could something like this actually happen?
0: Well, let's not forget this happened b- before the invent of the internet, right? So, um, I think part of the the way part of the way the movie develops from beginning to end is the judge's search to figure out whether Vinny is in fact an attorney, right? Where yeah. now we would find it in forty seconds or less by you know going into Google and and looking at an attorney registry. Would it would it happen in Nassau? You know, under the law, the defendants are free to choose attorneys um, as they wish. And so I think certainly the way the judge behaved in chastising counsel for his behavior, I I think, is realistic. Um, I certainly think that, that many judges chastise lawyers in front of juries, outside of the presence of juries. Some will do it in a more pleasant way. Some will do it the way this judge did. So I don't think that's unrealistic. Um, But I think putting in context that it was a film from the early 90s, we kind of forget that. I will say,
2: um, Jarrett is either too nice or can't do this because he's still uh, a prosecutor. But um, my experience with certain members of the defense bar at times on the criminal side, Many of them might be similarly prepared to Vinnie walking into the to the courtroom. Maybe maybe not for a, a capital murder case, there's no capital murder cases uh, in New York, but um, the uh, the degree of preparation might not be that unrealistic for certain criminal defense attorneys. I'll leave it at that. I know Jared can't speak to that.
3: <laughs> no, a, a Noticeable silence from the, from the courtroom. Um, what about, do you think, do you think judges, have you experienced ever judges uh, criticizing attorneys for their outfit decisions? I, I don't know that I've ever
0: seen, well one, I've never seen an attorney walk into a courtroom dressed as, an, as a Broadway theater usher. Um, that, was,
3: that was actually the the best I think that's the, the the only like laugh out loud scene when he walks into the courtroom <laughs> wearing that outfit is is that's a great scene um but I but I have I
0: have seen lawyers getting get chewed out and I myself have been chewed out for a variety of things in in a courtroom um, but never never for clothing And I think in 2023 most members of the bench would probably, not do that on the
2: record I have seen a defense attorney wear flip-flops in the courtroom before
0: it was I have seen county criminal court I have seen somebody wear a sweatsuit it might be the same person
2: (laughs) so anything else um you know obviously he he goes out and, and he personally interviews the uh main witnesses in the case without anyone else there um, you see very limited snapshots of this interview technique. Let's assume for a second that there, there's not a procedural issue with him doing that, that he wouldn't have been setting himself up to be called as a witness in the case by, by virtue of him going there personally. What about in, in the limited time that you see him? What's he doing right? What's he doing wrong in terms of, um, getting ready to cross-examine these
0: witnesses? Well, I think once he realizes that he should read the material, I mean, that's step one, right? I mean, he opens up the box and looks through it, I think. um, Well, the prosecutor also gives it to him like the day before on a hunting trip, right? Well, it's 1991. The rules were different, Um, right? I mean, I I think in the 90s, we've all heard stories of – neither neither of us were were prosecutors in the 90s – of prosecutors saying – we're ready for trial. We pick the jury, and and here's the file, and people are ready to open, right? We've we've heard stories of that happening in the nineties,
2: and, and that's in New York. God knows what was happening in Alabama in the early nineties,
0: right? So, you know, I, I think my my issue with with many comment with many comments on this film, mm-hmm. um, p- public published comments on this film is that. I don't think Vinny has a strategy going in. I think he figures it out as he goes. And I think that is in part a huge detriment to utilizing this as a movie to teach law students for the future. Um, I think, so I, I, I do disagree with that. I think as I think that the, the takeaway of, of my cousin Vinny to a young uh, lawyer or a law student is be yourself, right? The, the thing that gets Vinny um, from being a, a person trying his first case to winning a capital murder is he is who he is and he never stops being himself no matter the no matter when the judge tells him to be somebody different i think that's the takeaway of the movie um and i think he he maintains that on cross-examination and so when his nephew is describing to his friend in the jail about you've got to see Vinny, the way he does these magic tricks he's always calling it out i mean that is the person the, the person who successfully cross-examines these witnesses later on he's authentic he's, exactly. a, he's authentic and he knows
2: what he's good at and he knows what he's not good at and he well, uses i don't it.
0: know that he's i don't know that he that he doesn't know what he's not good at maybe not. If he Did he would have asked marissa tomei to help read the documents as they were going right. i mean he from a strategic perspective I mean, he he doesn't utilize his fiancee to do the thing that she's proficient at, which is look at the look at the stuff. She's an expert in cars. There's cars involved, and he never even asks until it's too late.
2: Um, I do want to push back a little bit on the opening statement, which I think is, I don't know if it's a theory, but I think it I think it does give him the flexibility to defend the case in a more reactive manner than he otherwise would have if he had maybe the wrong theory and didn't
0: your, your, your take. Hold on. Hold on. I just want to make sure I understand it. Your take is that when Vinny says everything he said is bullshit was an effective opening statement to keep an open, an open theory, not an
2: effective, not, not an effective opening statement. It's definitely not an effective opening statement, but it, it does provide, he has no idea what the case is about at that point, right? He hasn't done his homework. He hasn't thought through the theory of the case.
3: He was also sleeping. He was sleeping during the. That's the scene that he's sleeping in. He's sleeping Correct. during when, when the prosecutor is presenting his case, he's sleeping. So he doesn't even hear it. Right. But there's no surprises and the prosecution's open. Um, Let me push back on that. Because
0: when, when Vinny visits his clients in jail and he describes what reasonable doubt means to his nephew, and he pulls out his deck of cards and he describes the house of cards being built and how he's supposed to chip away at the cards. He could have done that same shtick in the opening statement. He wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been pot committed to any theory. And he would have established to the jury that the burden of proof relies on the government, that it's the government's burden throughout and doesn't switch. And he would have been himself. He could have used the cards, he could have done the same shtick, but he didn't. That's why I think. The people who say this is the greatest legal movie of all time, they kind of they kind of yada yada the, the the key points of this that that he misses. Now, he could have ended with or he could have started that opening statement with everything that guy just said is bullshit. Objection sustained. The government's case is like a deck of cards and he could have pulled them out. Would have done the same thing and it would have been more effective.
2: That's definitely a better opening. But I, w- I have heard worse op- opening some attorneys, then everything that guy just said was bullshit. So, um, all right. So let's, let's move into, I want to quickly just talk, touch on the prosecution's case. Um, you know, there obviously are um, major holes in all these witnesses that Vinny f- figures out relatively quickly. Um, and we'll talk about at least the, the grits cross-examination in a minute, but what could the prosecutor have done differently in terms of preparing these witnesses or, or, or examining these witnesses to make, I mean, Vinny obliterates the fact witnesses. So the prosecutor is left only with this expert who, who if the expert was right, would have been a very effective witness. But um, what, what could the prosecutor have done differently?
0: He probably should have gone hunting less and talked to his witnesses more. Um, I mean, it's, it, it was clear from the movie that Vinnie's, Limited prep of the witnesses, he was able to uncover certain facts that the prosecutor didn't. Um, I, you know, obviously, the movie doesn't show whether or not the prosecutor ever interviews them or prepares them. Um, it certainly seems, even though the prosecutor says when he calls his expert, "I just have this," "I just came up with this," right? So the prosecutor calls Vinny and he goes, "You'll see this tomorrow." But it's clear from the direct examination of the prosecutor by this expert in the movie, that this has been something that had developed over time, um, that this expert didn't that night come to him and say, I evaluated these skid marks and did all these tests. There's just no way that happened. So that it seems to me like uh, that the prosecutor may have been lying to Vinnie about that um, and may have held that in his pocket and then try to play it at the last minute. Um, but I think the, to answer your question, clearly he needed to prep his witnesses a little more.
2: Maybe he just got the test the test back that night because the trial took place a week after the murder. So maybe so there was probably a rush to perform the testing with the uh, I don't even know what he was talking about. Whatever those machines were called.
3: It, it is interesting that the prosecutor is definitely not portrayed as a buffoon in any way. He's not like the pr- the prosecutor is actually like kind of i mean for purposes of the movie he's like a decent attorney right they don't they don't set him up to be like some evil character they don't set him up to be some like terrible attorney he's like you know i think for for purposes of the movie you're supposed to think he's like doing a pretty good job he's a pretty competent attorney and vinny is up against the, a legitimate contender here and i think also cooper that's wor- what what's worth pointing out on that is that unlike
0: many other movies where the defense is the hero and the prosecutor is evil or the or the cop is evil, there's, there's no, um, there, nobody here is evil in My Cousin Vinny, right? The prosecutor, as you said, for, for, for what it appears, is a straight shooter, it gives him the box of the evidence, right? The judge is, is stern, but gives the rules of Alabama to Vinny. Um, even the sheriff goes out and investigates it while the trial is going on when Vinny hands him the right. note. Right. Yeah. So, so
3: they're, right. They're it doesn't seem like they're just like out to get these two Yankees. Like they are, they are, the evidence seems to indicate like these two kids were in the area. Someone was murdered. Like people saw, you know, it, it, it seems like they have a good case. Right.
0: And I think, I think, I don't remember if it's the director or somebody involved in the making of the movie was a lawyer. And I feel like when they, when they were putting it together, their idea was to make, um, the trial, kind of the centerpiece but but not to make anyone an enemy and and the system has tried to portray be portrayed quite evenly
2: yeah the director uh jonathan lynn is a lawyer um and he does talk about that in some interviews that he gave that he wanted that he he didn't want there to be a a bad guy in the film i mean obviously like 2023 version of this film the prosecutor is going to be hiding evidence right um you know, doing everything he or she can to convict because that's like the, the, the narrative nowadays. Um, so it it's nice to see a film made like this where I think justice prevails, right? Because the fact-finding process is, is um, there's honest people on all sides, including the expert who, you know, we'll get to the expert in a second, but the expert could easily have tried to cover his tracks or disagreed with, Vinny's fiance, you know, he could have gotten the witness and said, she doesn't know what she's talking about. He called her off the street. They're dating each other. She's wrong. He doesn't do that. He's honest. Um, I want to talk, uh, about Jared, I want you to, just to kind of talk about Vinny's cross-examination tex- technique, broadly speaking, which is also kind of widely praised as as uh, a good example of beginner cross-examination for young attorneys. And then we'll listen to one of the crosses and kind of go through it in a little more detail.
0: So I, I think some of the praise on his cross-examination is unfair um, or, or misguided, perhaps maybe a better way to, to kind of analyze it. Um, is he effective? Yes. Does it ultimately achieve what he's trying to do, which is, prove his nephew and his friend are innocent? Sure. But the most basic um, rules of cross-examination that we try to teach law students and young lawyers, he doesn't follow. And he certainly does some, uh, and I'll I'll get into what I mean in a minute, he certainly does some advanced cross-examination techniques, but right, um, he doesn't use uh, leading questions throughout his cross-examination. Now he does use open-ended questions effectively when he's talking about what's on the window and, and that's a really good scene, but he doesn't only use leading questions. He doesn't ask questions that he knows the answer to. And part of his lack of preparation at the beginning, um, which the, the, was demonstrated through the Legal Aid Lawyers Cross, backfires. Um, he he doesn't um, save the big. Uh, hit for closing argument, probably because in the movie we don't get there. But he he makes his summation point in his cross examination, which isn't always effective to do. Um, but he does do some some things that I think are really effective tools for young people to uh, recognize and appreciate. The one thing that I think, and I think Lee, you would you would certainly agree, as somebody who who's seen me throughout my career is he stands his ground. He does not take shit from the judge. And I think that that is a really good um, skill that, that young lawyers and law students should recognize. Now, I'm not saying that, that you should lie and I'm not certainly suggesting um, to, to, to say, I think when the judge says, what'd you say? And he basically rolls under his idea that, what a fucking surprise or whatever he curses that ends up being held in contempt again. But he stands his ground throughout. And, and as a defense attorney, I think it's an, an important lesson that people should learn. But I don't know that it is. But I think some of the praise on his cross-examination is misguided in, in a lot of the law review articles and, and other published opinions on the movie.
2: I want to I wanna talk really quickly about um, the window scene because we're not going to play that one. But um, I agree with you. I think that probably is... The most from like a trial advocacy perspective the most effective realistic sequence because it's kind of easy right like it, he's open he's asking open the questions but he but he he knows there's no other answer other than what the answer could possibly be right so why is that so effective um you know how how does how does he gain points there
0: yeah so i i think that from uh a teaching perspective, right? We we encourage law students and young lawyers only to ask leading questions because there's no wiggle room. You control the situation. The cross-examination is focused on the lawyer, not on the witness. But what what Vinny does effectively during that cross-examination is he asks open-ended questions that the answer is contained in the picture. And so the answer has to be what he what he wants it to be. In fact, you know when he says you know, what's on that, that window? Dirt, crud, dirty window. And then he says, you know, those, you know, what are those trees? What's hanging from the trees? Leaves. And then he says, and, and what about those in front of him? Bushes. How many? And he says, five. And then he corrects them, right? He goes, no, no, the, actually, don't forget those two. Okay, seven, right? So he's controlling the situation in an open ended question way. The issue that I find. At the end of that cross examination, and why I think it's the praise is misguided, is he then uses his summation point, which is he then loops them all together and he says, So you're telling this jury that you could positively ID these two people for two seconds through the dirty window, the crud, the trees, the leaves, and the bushes. And in real life, the answer would be, Yeah, I could. Right. <laughs> and so I think if you're a law student or a young lawyer who doesn't practice, uh, or or doesn't you know have trial experience that if you're told watch this movie and be Vinny, then you think you should sum up the questions at the end of cross examination, and that's not what you should be doing on an effective as an effective cross examiner.
3: What what do you think just generally about how he like positive or negative about how he like his relationship with the with the witnesses and how he kind of interacts with them and and is he is he too. Harsh is he? Does he do a good job of like you know being kind and not not making them look stupid? Like just just you know in terms of like what it, what a good attorney does when they have a witness who clearly has some credibility issues. Like how hard do you go in on that person? How stupid do you try and make them look? Um, just I, kind of what do you I think? I think he's
0: really effective, Cooper, on that because if you compare his attack on the grits witness to the older woman. Who's over 60 with the glasses, compare how kind he is to her with how aggressive he is with the Gritz witness. Right? The Gritz witness has given him problems. And he and, and I think he I think he's right in going after that witness. But the older woman, he doesn't embarrass her. Right? He he takes out the tape measure, he demonstrates effectively half the distance for which she says is, is how she does it. He holds up his fingers in a polite way. He doesn't embarrass her from the back. He walks up very politely in a kind way. And he, and he says, he shows the two fingers that it's not four. And he, he doesn't embarrass her. He, he treats her with respect. And I think that is an effective mechanism. I think, I think there, are, there are moments that are really good teaching tools. And I think there are other moments in this movie that are really bad teaching tools that people kind of just push aside and, and and don't talk about when evaluating the movie from an advocacy perspective.
2: And then with like the uh, the dopey witness in the middle, he kind of treats him like a dope,
0: which he is. <laughs> well, right. I mean, I don't, I don't know what snippet you have, but when he's going after, um, I think it's, it's I think it's the first or the second witness about um After the grits, and he says, did you buy those from the same guy who sold Jack his magic beans? We're going to do do that one now. Let's listen to the grits one real
1: quick. Okay. Is it possible the two defendants entered the store, picked 22 specific items off of the shelves, had the clerk take money, make change, then leave? Then two different men drive up in a similar... Don't shake your head. I'm not done yet. Wait till you hear the whole thing. So you can understand this now. Two different men drive up in a similar-looking car, go in, shoot the clerk, rob him, and then leave? No.
0: They didn't have enough time.
1: Well, how much time was they in the store? Five minutes. Five minutes? Are you sure? Did you look at your watch? No. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You testified earlier that the boys went into the store... And you had just begun to make breakfast. You were just ready to eat and you heard a gunshot. That's, That's right, right, I'm sorry. So obviously it takes you five minutes to make breakfast. That's right. Right, so you knew that. Uh, do you remember what you had? Eggs and grits. Eggs and grits. I like grits too. How do you cook your grits? You like them regular, creamy or al dente? Just regular, I guess. Regular. Instant grits? No self respecting in uses instant grits. I take
0: pride in my grits.
1: So, Mr. Tipton, how could it take you five minutes to cook your grits when it takes the entire grit-eating world 20 minutes? I don't know. I'm a fast cook, I guess. I'm sorry. I was all the way over here. I couldn't hear you. Did you say you're a fast cook? That's it? Are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than on any place on the face of the earth? I don't know. Well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stoves. Were these magic grits? I mean, did you buy them from the same guy who sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Uh, yeah, objection, <laughs> Your Honor.
0: Objection sustained. Are you, sure you Are, you sure yeah, Are you sure about that five minutes? You know ignore the question.
1: Are you sure about that five minutes? I
0: don't know. I think you made your point.
1: Are you sure about that five minutes? I may have been mistaken.
2: So yeah, the, the the end of that sequence is probably pretty unrealistic because, like you said, the guy most witnesses would have been prepared t- to confront that issue and would have probably said yes and would have had reasons why there was a distinction. But uh, you know, what about that particular sequence? Are are there effective parts of that sequence, Jared?
0: Yeah, I, I one. When he says, "I I must not have heard you. Let me come closer." I mean, that is such a great skill that he demonstrates there um, to kind of make a point out of something when it's legally permissible to do it, right? I mean, I think that's that's really good, and it's um,
2: theatric too. And juries like a little theater, right? So there's there's there's, there's theatric to it.
0: Yeah. I, and I think the prosecutor was quite theatrical throughout his case as well, um, but I think that that part, I mean Vinnie, um, he's listening, right? So when, when we talked advocacy, he's listening to the answers. He's utilizing the answers in his questions. He's attacking the witness regarding things that just co- our common sense tells us and, and that he learned from living in the South in the days prepping for this trial. Um, and I, so I think, you know, when he says, you know, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove, obviously the prosecutor should have objected. Um, but it's an effective question because the question itself, the answer doesn't matter. The jury knows, especially in Alabama, that it takes longer to get there, uh, to make the grits than five minutes. Right. And, and I think even his aunt is question regarding, Perhaps you bought those beans from the same guy who sold Jack. His beanstalk beans is a fantastic question. And when the judge, you know, but to contrast that, when the judge says, I think you've made your point, and he says sustained, and he continues to pepper him with the question, at the end, there's no way that this judge, with the persona that he has, would have allowed that to continue, right? I mean, he would have been screaming. And he would have told the witness not to answer, uh, but, he, but he continues anyway, which is, I think, him standing up for his point. Here, Here's one part of that. And actually,
2: uh, it happens in a few different sequences that I think is really important for not just for a, for a criminal attorney, but for any litigator, maybe for any attorney. What typically would have happened in that moment in real life, I think, is you would have asked how long did it take to make breakfast? Five minutes. OK, move on. He, he happens to learn about how long it takes to make grits earlier in the movie, right? Because you need that sequence in order for that to make sense. It shows how important it is to dive really deep into the details of an investigation. So you, you know there's either going to be a preliminary statement where the guy says he makes grits or, or some documents, written statements. If you're, if you're a trial attorney, you might just focus on the time but not focus on what he was actually making. So learning about how long it takes to make grits as an attorney there, that's, that's something that most people wouldn't do. He happens to kind of get that earlier in the movie, but I think that's a
0: really important takeaway as well. And I think the other takeaway, just to, to piggyback on what you're suggesting, Lee, is that, you know, when, when young lawyers think about cross-examination, they want to be like, you're lying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Right. But what Vinny does with this witness and the others is he uses the extraneous facts to prove his point. Right. And so the making of the grits, which you talked about diving deep, isn't a fact, right? What this guy is doing in the kitchen, the making of the breakfast isn't a fact that goes to the, to the guilt or non guilt of, of these two individuals of these two individuals. But what it does do, the two um, youths, these two youths, what it does do is he gets to the, to these, to these, other facts that are undisputed that disprove the government's theory and these extraneous facts he uses effectively here and through these other
3: witnesses to, to get back to the point of preparation do you think that we're supposed to think that he f- does this like he's just I I sort of watching it was just sort of like, he's quick, he's quick on his feet. He's not, he hasn't prepared. He had, I mean, I know he does talk to these witnesses ahead of time, but do you think like when you're watching it, are you thinking, Oh, he, he knew where this was going ahead of time, or is he just winging it and, and kind of got lucky there?
0: I think he knows where it's going, or at least I think that's the method message they're trying to convey during the prep stage, which is like, you know, seconds that they just show the snippets of him in the homes with these people. I mean, he's, He's asking the questions there, which leads me to believe that he kind of knew where he was going with the witness who had difficulty seeing, with the grits. I mean, he he he's, he gets there with those witnesses and prep quickly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like time
2: of event, obstructions, uh, ability to see—those are like classic um, cross-examination techniques. He just. It just so happens that he gets the perfect answers for all three of them in this particular case i want to be uh again i think we could talk about all this stuff for a while but let's just move on really quickly to to the expert um and vinny has a really short cross of the expert i think in part because he doesn't know what to do with him you know he, he goes to the diner and he tries to figure out where there are holes and he just doesn't see it at that point he doesn't see it until later on but can you take, can you walk us through like what I'm sure there have been moments in your career where a witness is called and you're just not sure what to do with the witness because there's not a lot there, but it's an important witness and you need to do something. So what does he, what does he do there that
0: uh, is either effective or ineffective? I think it is the, the ineffective cross-examination of the expert is when he continues to ask them the, is it possible question? Which asking an opposing expert the is it possible question and every expert's going to tell you, of course, it's possible because anything's possible. Um, so I, I think that was an ineffective portion of his cross. Um, obviously, his lack of prep for the cross became obvious as he's sitting at the table looking at the photographs. I mean, that that he should have figured out at the, the barbecue restaurant when he was sitting with Marissa Tomei and he was looking at those photographs as well. Um, I thought the, the effective part of the cross-examination of the, act, of the expert is when he interrupts him and controls him, right? When we talk about control of a witness, which I mentioned earlier about short, succinct questions that are leading, he does it at the end of, of the cross of the expert where he interrupts him to control him. I think that was the, the takeaway on that. The other thing which you asked is, you know, don't ask questions for the sake of asking questions, right? If you're not sure whether the witness is going to help you or hurt you, Asking the questions for the sake of asking them is never a good strategy.
2: You know, this has nothing to do with trial practice, but I, but like, why, why didn't Vinny, I guess, I guess they needed this from a narrative perspective, but you think the first thing Vinny would have done is ask Marissa Tomei, hey, do those tire tracks look like the tire tracks from the car that, uh, is the only evidence they have in, (laughs) in the case, um,
0: but well, you know he 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 was at the barbecue restaurant. He hadn't slept. he was frustrated, he was stressed. I mean, certainly, I think we all can put ourselves in that shoe of of being in that moment as a litigator where you're you know you're kind of reaching your wits end to that moment. and maybe if if they don't argue, they eventually get to that um, discussion at, at the barbecue restaurant.
2: So um, you know we'll, we'll talk really quickly about. His uh, his direct. He calls her a hostile witness. I don't know if that's actually the case or not. But um, and and the effectiveness there. But once for one thing, I don't know how Vinny himself figures out the track issue. Is he also a car expert? Because he's the one who figures it out himself. He figures um, it out first,
3: right? I mean, he he he's the one who figures it out before she
2: does. Doesn't seem yeah. like a very straightforward even if you have an extensive knowledge of cars, I don't know that you would be able to
0: figure it out um, sitting at the table, but I guess, again, it's a necessary well, story. I, I think th- – well, I do think it's connected, and I think I, I think when you talk about the connection of the movie, right, he failed the bar six times because he was working in the garage and he was working night and he was trying to support himself and help support his fiance. And so I think they kind of allude to that hard work in the um, – in the shop that kind of leads to it. Um, Look at this film theory analysis,
2: Jared. This is, this is some excellent stuff. I missed that.
0: Yeah. This is when you make me watch a movie. <laughs>
2: First movie I've watched this year. Um, so it, do you think that the better strategy there for Vinny would have been to take this to the prosecutor and say, you have to be wrong? Or do you think how he approaches it is the right, the right move?
0: No, I I mean, he was he was mid trial, he was pot committed. He's a New Yorker in Alabama, I I think. I think his strategy was right. um, At the time. Uh, So I, I I don't think that he should have gone to him at that point.
2: I I think the only two nice sequences. There's no way that sheriff is going out and doing his bidding in the middle of the trial when he thinks he has (laughs) the murderer sitting at the table across from him. But, um, let's talk about the, uh, the, the direct examination of Mona Lisa. Um, I guess really quickly, do you think she would have been qualified as an expert based on, um, her background and what she tells the court. I mean, the prosecutor gives up and doesn't object, but uh, what do you think would have happened there? Assuming that obviously like they would have spent more time directing her and laying the foundation. Do you think that she had enough to be a expert in general automotive knowledge? I don't even know if that's a field, but.
0: I, I, I cert- So in order for a witness to be qualified as an expert, you have to lay a sufficient foundation which obviously it's a movie. So the 45 second foundation wasn't laid properly, but I I, I don't know whether she had the sufficient facts and data to establish it. My guess is that if she was asked, uh, about her knowledge of cars and her work with cars and the fact that she's worked on cars from, you know, 1960s to the 1990s, and she's had all this experience with cars that the likelihood is that she may have the sufficient facts to, to be an expert witness. Um, but I think the better scene on the, uh, or the to me, the better analysis on the direct is how Vinny lets Marissa Tomei be the star of the, sh- of, of the direct. Um, and, and when he kind of pushes his seat back and sits on the council table and is like, tell us, I, that to me is a really good, example of letting the expert be the star of the direct which i think he does a fantastic job of in that moment
3: do you think there's anything else that he should have done different obviously like prepping more and and leaving aside kind of the obvious ones but um do you think he it was a mistake not to try and present any kind of alternative theory of the case earlier on or or push that forward or was he doing exactly what a good defense attorney should do which is not to do that just poke holes in the prosecutor's case and leave it alone
0: he he actually was putting forth a theory and it was actually and it was in the clip that you played like they put forth the theory before they even recognized the theory exists in his question to the to the gentleman who's cooking his grits, he says, isn't it possible that a a similar car with a similar make could go in there? I mean, he puts the theory out there, um, which kind of implies that he has a theory, even though I'm not sure at that point he does. Um, So I think it's
2: it's the only possible theory based on the evidence, right? There's no other really... I mean, there's no other real possible yeah. theory it's,
3: it's interesting though just i i feel like in the way most movies work when you have this kind of fact pattern a lot of the 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 job of the attorney in this situation is is to you know try and uncover the truth and figure out kind of who really did this it's and that that narrative they kind of you know it's implied and and like you said it, it comes up a couple times but it really doesn't come up until the very end and the actual like true murders. You know, we never see them. We never hear from them until you know. We never hear about them until really the final scene. I think, I think there was
0: another theory, another defense theory. Um, his defense is they're innocent, right? But, but the facts of the case are that seconds to minutes after the the sack of suds is is robbed and and the, the cashier is murdered, they're pulled over immediately in the same car miles from. The location, but there's no gun. There's no ballistic evidence that's there that exists in 1991. Where where did the gun go? If these people are the murderers, right? Where 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 did Bill and Stan's gun go from the point the point in time they leave the sack of suds to the point in time that they're arrested on the street that leads from that location? There's no evidence to suggest they threw it. There's no evidence to suggest the police searched. Right. There is a reasonable doubt defense in there that he could have um, entertained during the trial. It just doesn't. Yeah, That's true.
2: Yeah. And there's also the uh, tuna self-defense um, theory that we haven't, that, that Cooper touched on at the beginning, but we haven't come back to, which is he caught him with the tuna and he had a gun and he, and he shot him by accident. Right. Well, he, was trying to pull the t- he was trying to wrestle the tuna out
0: of his pocket. So, the other, the other, the other cross examination, just from a, from a legal analysis and movie analysis, we never see a cross of the, of the cop, no. right? Because the cop's position is, I shot the clerk was an admission. And not a question, and he never crosses him on that. I think that the, only the cop testifies at trial. The cop only testifies
2: at the preliminary hearing. Well, because- the, but the prosecutor opens on a
0: confession, right?
2: The cop had to have testified. We just don't see it. Right. I guess he doesn't have a very effective cross-examination
0: queued up for him. Doesn't really Which is problematic.
3: It. So I don't know, Lee, if you have any, any more questions about the techniques. I have a few more, like, random questions that I'm curious to, to throw out there. About the movie or about just... Uh, no, just life. Just like life. Election, the upcoming election and Nassau County politics, a few other things like that.
2: Let's, let's dive deep into Nassau County politics. That would be a really riveting...
0: Hour
3: of podcasting.
0: Sounds like a great career move for me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what, what you thought of every piece of, of the movie, like from a legal perspective, what was the most absurd thing that would never actually happen? Like for example, riding the butt, you know, getting thrown in jail and, and being the attorney, riding the bus to the, to the jail with the, with, with your two, with your two suspects or, um, anything, anything that stood out to you that was like, you know, this is, this is insane that they even tried to include this in the movie. I mean, the
0: speed is the most absurd. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out something that we, we haven't touched on yet. The, um, Bill and Stan are identified in a lineup where they're both the suspects in the same lineup, which in the nineties, I could tell you was done. But the, a lineup is meant to to be six individuals who look similar, uh, and this is yeah. the worst lineup I've ever seen in my life. Um, I think that is probably the most offensive part of of the movie because that lineup would have been suppressed, so there'd be no identification, and therefore nobody at trial would be able to identify Bill and Stan from from that lineup. They'd fail at an independent source hearing. And so I think that's the most absurd part that we haven't talked about. I love it.
3: That's a good one. Yeah, I was I was I was saying to Lee how absurd it was. I thought that he was riding in the bus with his two uh his two clients, and Lee was like, eh, it's Alabama. There's probably only one there's probably only one van back to the prison and that's probably how it works down there. And I was like, All right, point taken. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with Lee. I mean Oh, this might be. way hold on. This the, let's just cut that. Just cut that one little piece for the whole podcast. That's it, right there. That's yeah, going to be. Certainly, I okay.
0: certainly don't agree with his shirt selection, but <laughs> I agree with the amount of buses in small town Alabama that go to the jail. All
2: right, so we we've um, we've been doing this for our movies one to ten, one being the least accurate, ten the most accurate. And then after we've done like 50 of these, we'll, we'll publish the official power rankings. How, how accurate um, with respect to the legal issues is My
0: Cousin Minijar? One to ten. As most accurate as to the legal issues? As to the legal issues, right. I would say it's eight, five. Well, that's pretty good. I'm not, I'm I, don't think it's, I don't think that legal issues is that far-fetched. Um, just I just, how he, how he, how he handled the representation of the defense, his actual
2: strategy and representation is
0: just so, not- so outside the tuna fish, the other fact that Cooper omitted is the fact that Vinny lies to the judge when he's asked how long he's been a lawyer, how many cases he's tried, what his history is. All of those things are, are just straight lies of an attorney to a judge that would Absolutely result in some sort of problem. Um, so I, I think though the professional responsibility and ethical issues that that begin in the movie are problematic, the speed is problematic. I think the courtroom stuff, the the banter back and forth I don't, I don't have real problems with that from a, from a procedure perspective.
2: Yeah, I think you know you have to compare everything's relative right you have to compare it to every other courtroom attorney that's been made. And this, I think, from that perspective is pretty good, actually. It feels pretty authentic for um, – I like how as the trial going on, more and more people are filling the seats because I guess there's some buzz in town about Vinny's performance. So, like, at first there's nobody there, and then people are there, and they're kind of applauding him at certain points. I think after one of the crosses, there's, like, brief applause in the crowd. Um, but, I, but that, I think, is similar to, like, real trials, right? Like, you, you know – there might not be a lot of people there. Then you hear, Oh, one of the attorneys is doing a really good job, or there's some really interesting issues. And all of a sudden the, the pews start to fill up with people and, and day after day. So I thought they got a lot in the bailiff I thought was right on point. Um, so I thought some of that stuff was pretty good. Um, all right. Any, uh, any closing, closing thoughts about my cousin Vinny before we.
0: The, the other side the other subplot that I don't think is talked about a lot when when people analyze my cousin Vinny as a you know movie for for young lawyers or law students is kind of the um, the side comments by Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci as to how law school fails to prepare law students for practice, right? Because. Um, She says to him at one point, don't they teach that to you in law school? And he's like, no, they teach you contracts and procedure. They don't teach you any of this shit. Um, And I think that that's kind of like an interesting kind of subplot to this movie, um, which would bore most audience. But from 1991 to 2023, how the um, preparation of law students in law schools has, has changed away from the theory more to the practice. And I think it it was a slight foreshadowing of the the the, the way law schools change over the last thirty years. This is Jared's
2: Jared's recruitment plug for Hofstra Law School and, and the advocacy they're doing over there. Um, I think I agree, and I think um, uh, I think that is a really interesting part of the movie, and I think it's. Um, it's pretty realistic too, you know. It's not until you're working do you start to get thrown into doing some of the stuff that Vinny's doing over the course of the case, um, unless you happen to be to school that that promotes trial advocacy and, and you you partake in that. Um, all right, well, Jared, um, we appreciate your time. This is incredibly interesting uh, debate over Vinny's skill set. Um, I like that it's a counterbalance to most of the content out there about this movie, which is that it's the uh, preeminent advocacy movie to watch. Although I think I agree, you know, there's there's stuff in there. You can pull some stuff out, but you should keep some stuff in um, if you're looking at it from a trial perspective. But we appreciate you taking so much time and talking about it. And um, We're going to have you come back on and talk about another movie in the future. okay? as long as you
0: provide me a new mug. Are you lost our mug? No, I, I would like another one. There's so been to wait. additions wait. to the firm. I think you need a yeah, mug. The last one was very snazzy. I liked it.
2: You have to win another trivia contest.
0: No, not
2: happening. <laughs> we'll, send you some, we'll, we'll send you something for uh, for being on the episode. All right, Just a mug. We're going to send you cash, hard no, cash. Just mug. <laughs> everybody who's listening, we're sending Jared. Uh, all right. I, I'm getting out of here. Thanks, <laughs> Jared. Thank um, you, Jared. For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, Knowlton, and Polina on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.